0: On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Blow the Trumpet, his scripture text to be taken from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Hear now, Pastor Moody.
1: I feel like the Lord's laid a word on my heart today and I want to share it. I want to go to the book of Joel, chapter 2, and uh, read just a few verses and preach a little bit. While you're turning there, we'll be in Joel chapter 2, verse 15, starting out. I want to tell you a little bit about Joel. Can I just give you a little character sketch of Joel? The name Joel literally means Jehovah is God or Jehovah is my God. That's who he is. He's he's a God man. Can you say amen? And uh, nothing's really known about his family too much. He appeared on the scene just a little before Hosea. And uh, while Hosea was prophesying to the northern kingdom of Samaria or Israel, Joel was prophesying in Jerusalem to Judah. And uh, I thought like this, his emphasis on the priestly ceremonies that you read in this about the porch and the altar, the sacrifices, suggests that he may have been what they considered in that day a temple prophet. He may have been prophesying to people that needed the influence of what he had to say, maybe more than anybody else. He was what we know as a minor prophet, one of the earliest. I read just in a research a little bit that Amos and Isaiah, more popular names or famous names, were actually influenced by Joel. So I want you to get this. Uh, one, one writer I said that he believed, one of, the, one of the great old writers said that he believed that Elijah and Elisha were acquainted with Joel, that part of their ministry was inspired by this man of God. So when I start thinking about, we call him a minor prophet, but how many knows he had a major influence? Oh, come on, somebody. Joel was, you know, we know him as the prophet of Pentecost, but he was also called the prophet of, what's this, religious revival. He was a, a man that wanted people to return to what they knew was a, was a source of power from God. Amen. And uh, Joel was the first to prophesy, amen, what we now know as the Acts 2 outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So when I started thinking about Joel, I felt like the Lord kind of took me this way. I, I, I just got stirred in my heart for something that he said, something I heard David Wilkerson repeat. And actually he wrote a book about it entitled Set the Trumpet to Your Mouth. And I want to preach this one for a little while on blow the trumpet. Amen. Go with me, Joel chapter two. Let's start in verse number 15. Joel chapter two and verse number 15. He says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast. In other words, set apart a special holy fast. And then he says, let's don't just get together. Let's call a solemn or very serious assembly. Let's call a solemn assembly. Verse number 16, he says, gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children And those that suck the breast, watch this, let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Can I tell you what that means? Cancel the honeymoon. It's time to get down to business with God right now. Then he goes on and says, let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and give not your heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people? Why should the world be looking at us and saying, where is their God? Where's their revival? Come on, where's the outpouring? Where's the anointing? Where are the miracles? Remember what Gideon said, if God's with us, where are all these things? If I'm a mighty man of valor. Let me go on just a little bit. Amen. When you start thinking about what God is saying, I think it's time that we come to a place where we understand that we need him now more than ever. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit. I need your help this morning to touch me physically, touch my body, anoint me, Lord, with your power, that we may share our heart and say what we think you've said to us to say in Jesus' name, God, touch every heart. If there's anybody here not saved or somebody drifted away, pull them in because time is critical now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everyone said amen, amen. You can be seated. This portion of joy, as I have mentioned to you, was really an inspiration to me and especially back some one time some years ago, there was a time when I needed to hear this word, and God brought my attention to it. Uh, I was able to get a hold of the book that that Brother Wilkinson wrote, Set the Trumpet to Thy Mouth. And I saw some things in there that I think helped me to realize exactly what God wanted me to do and what he was doing in my life at that time. When I start thinking about this portion of Joel, I want you to notice that Joel was, as I said, one of the earlier minor prophets. His ministry was primarily to Judah, to the southern kingdom. He was the one that was, that was preserving the anointing and helping to maintain, amen, the outpouring of the Spirit. Because Joel knew that there was coming a day that soon, amen, amen, there would come a day in the future when Christ would come. Amen, when redemption would be bought. When he would die upon a cross, when the veil would be rent, when the holy of holies would be exposed, when it would come to pass that it would be possible for the spirit of God to be poured out upon all flesh. I want to tell you that uh, we have just come out of a camp meeting. We've experienced a move of the Holy Ghost. I I thought like this, it's more than a shouting time. It's more than a praising time. Can I get a witness? But every time there's an outpouring of the Spirit, hallelujah, I feel my help coming. Every time there's an outpouring of the Spirit, it's a time, amen, for empowerment. And it's a time that we, amen, as a people are are clothed upon with a fresh anointing, amen. I think about so often what Jesus said, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses to me. And then he describes taking this message that's in our hearts, amen, and revealing it to the world, amen. I thought like this. During the time of Joel's ministry, There, it was a time actually of great, prosperity. They were enjoying the favor of God for a a wonderful season. Amen. I I thought like this according like Deuteronomy 28 said they were blessed coming in and they were blessed going out. Can you say amen? I've seen that season in America where we enjoyed great blessing. They were blessed in the city. They were blessed in the field and in their flocks and in their herds. Can I tell you Everything they put their hands to seemed to prosper. I've walked through that season. I've seen it in America. I'm old enough now to tell you I can remember the recessions, amen. I can remember those times of what they would call a economic downturn and every president that would would, would get elected would boast of, a amen, being the one that, that promoted a recovery. But I'm gonna tell you the reality is this. Is that God does things in seasons. Amen. He'll bring a season of prosperity and then when people sometimes it's because God's trying to show us favor. He's trying to empower us with goodness because he wants us to be equipped to do what we can for God. I was reading this morning, amen, what Dr. Robert Jeffries said, amen, about Horatio Spafford and he was the man and of course that wrote it is well with my soul Spafford was an attorney. Amen. He he moved to Chicago. He he became the senior partner of one of the most powerful law firms in the country. During that time, he also started investing his money in the inner part of Chicago. He became a, a mega millionaire. Amen. Through real estate investments. He had four beautiful children. He funded and financed a, amen, I, I want you to know the He funded and financed the ministry of Dwight Lyman Moody. He was a man that prospered and he sowed, amen, from his prosperity. I feel like preaching here. I wanna tell you, he, he did missions all over Chicago and funded things around the world. But then suddenly, there was something that called, that was called the Great Chicago Fire that hit during that fire. When it hit, Moody's holdings were wiped out. They'd already, lost a child that had gotten sick and died at this point and it was said of Uh, 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 Spafford I meant, it was said of D.L. Moody that he preached Amen, the night before the Chicago fire in the Chicago mission and uh, hundreds were there and they said that he preached that message and for the first time and the only time that they ever known him to do it, he felt like the crowd was ready to respond but he needed to preach more and they said at the end of the meeting, he said tonight I'm not going to do the altar call I want you to think about what you've heard and people went home that night and multitudes of them died in the Chicago fires one of the greatest uh, sorrows of D.L. Moody's life was the fact that he did not give an altar call that night but little did he know that there was about to be a shift there was about to be a change there was about to be a tragedy can you say amen that fire fire claimed souls. in Spafford, amen, they said, amen, he kept giving and trying to help with the homeless and, and trying to help with the results of, of, of that fire. And But then after a while, he became weary. He became almost weary to the point of illness. And his wife and him and his family decided they were gonna take a, a cruise to Europe. In those days, there were no planes. It took weeks to go across the Atlantic. And so, but just before they left actually the day before they left. Uh, there was something else that came up with his business. He sent his wife and his children on aboard a very luxurious uh, uh, luxury liner and they got about halfway across the Atlantic and somehow they collided with another ship and their ship went down. 430 some people were on that ship, 278 of them died and it was weeks. He couldn't get word back about his family. He couldn't cross to where they were and finally, when the telegram came, it was from his wife, and she and he simply said, "This I alone am saved. And what shall I do? I've lost my children. I've, they, they, he seemed like it was. Come on, you hear what I'm saying to you? Sometimes there's seasons of prosperity and favor, but then tragedy can come on the ship. Finally, on the way over, Amen. They got to a, to the place where the ship had went down. The captain stopped the boat. He went and got Mr. Spafford and said, this is the place where all was lost. They said he walked out there, stood and looked out over those dark waters in the middle of the night. Couldn't really see anything but then he walked back to that ship's cabin and pulled out pen and paper and said when peace like a river attendeth my soul or when sorrows like sea billows begin to come, I can say it is well with my soul I want to tell you it's time we realize we need God more than we need anything else I'll give him praise if you would <laughs> Israel at this time it was enjoying prosperity but then amen with their prosperity came complacency with their prosperity and I've got everything I need came this, this apathetic spirit, you know, not really pursuing God, you know, just kind of holding on, I'm saved, hallelujah, everything's good. And they, they begin to, amen, to get caught up in spiritual neglect and eventually apostasy, turning away from God and he's prophesying during this time and now they're about to be carried off into uh, into Babylon for seventy years. Are you hearing me? And uh, 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 Joel is his message is a wake up call. His message is is an alarm. Can you say Amen? And so he says, "Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm in my holy mountain." I want you to know something that in the Bible, back in Deuteronomy, they fashioned two trumpets out of silver. God uh, had had uh, had commanded Moses, and they they fashioned of these trumpets, and they would blow those trumpets, amen, if one blew, it was a warning. If one blew, it was something, you know, that they they could get a message from, but then they would blow the trumpets, amen, and when they sounded both of them together in both directions, what it simply meant was this, it's either time to gather or it's time to advance, Hallelujah. I want to tell you, the blowing of the shofar today, amen, symbolizes the same thing. It's time to rise up, it's time to come together, and it's time to advance. Hallelujah. I believe we're living in a day today when this gospel needs to be sounded on every front. I believe that God's calling the church today. Amen. I thought here we are post pandemic. Amen. It's just about over and a lot of people are sitting back and they're relaxing. Are you hearing me? They got a little extra money in their pocket. They've learned they can watch church over the internet while they're eating their Cheerios with their pajamas on. But I think it's time to sound the alarm to blow the trumpets up and say let's gather together. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. You see, they had... God had spoke to this prophet and he'd given them an example of the invasion of locusts that had come into the country. And Joel 1 and 4 says, that which the palmer worm has left has the locust eaten. And that which the locust has left has the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm has left has the caterpillar eaten. And this literally just means four stages of the same insect and what would happen would be that Babylon would make four invasions and each time they would carry off the young, they would carry off the intellectual, they would carry off the beautiful and the wealthy. Every time they came, when they left, how many understands that the people of Israel were left with a little less? They would come back again and they would carry off more and by the time they're done I want you to understand this God is saying I want you to get a hold of what the enemy's doing he's coming in today and he's taking this, he's taking worship come on, he's coming in and he's trying to take out the praise he's coming in and he's trying to take out the commitment, he's come in trying to take out, where is the young men and young women that feel the call of God hey, to step up and do something I want to tell you we've got to understand there's a trumpet sound that's being sounded in this day and it's time for us to gather in. Hallelujah. Amen. This, this invasion was a picture of what God did, these, these, these locusts and we've got the cicadas now and they, they, they were saying they were gonna be worse this year than they'd ever been Hallelujah, I ain't seen a handful of them, praise God. I'm, I'm sort of happy about that. My wife was out in the front yard yesterday looking around at her flowers, and she come in, she said, I see some holes where they've dug up, and I see their empty shells where they broke out, but there wasn't very many of them. So she asked me, she said, can they go back in the holes? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not too concerned about that. They only come every, what, 14 years or something. But I'm here to tell you that we, we know that, what is it, 14 years, we know that every 14 years, the cicadas are coming. And you might say, that's got nothing to do with it. Oh, yes, it does. God's saying I'm telling you there's a devouring force that's coming upon the world today. There's a force that's trying to rob the church of her identity. There's a force that's trying to rob us of our effectiveness. But I tell you the answer is this. We need to blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm and call a solemn assembly and bring people in and preach the gospel and lay hands on the sick and cast out devils and open blind eyes the world needs to see our God is still on the throne oh give him praise would you hallelujah I want to tell you something this term in Joel refers to a time yet to come and God is going to pour out his judgment on the nations of the world this is during the tribulation Thank God, we're we're the church that's going in the rapture. Can you say Amen? But I'm afraid if we're not careful, we'll just kind of sit around and say Hallelujah. I'll fly away, oh glory, Amen. And right next door to us, there's somebody we need to be trying to take with us, and they're going to hell. You see that? That's the that's the sound. That's that's got to be the alarm. That's you know. Dear God, how many people do we know that got that, that unthinkable phone call, amen, in the middle of the day or the middle of the night, whatever it was, it doesn't make any difference and suddenly you found out that somebody in your family had just overdosed and died on heroin or you found out that they, somebody in your family had been killed in a car wreck. You found out that tragedy had smitten or you found out that Satan had come in and, and stole one of the flock, can you say, amen, out your family. Amen. And so when I started to think like this, I thought, we are a people that's ready for the rapture. And Jesus said in Luke 21, 36, watch you therefore and pray always that you'll be accounted worthy to escape all of these things and stand before the Son of Man. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9, it said they show, for they themselves show us of what manner of entering and in we had unto you, how you turn from idols and serve God. Paul's saying to them, talking about another church, they gave us witness how you people turn to God and isn't that great that the church has that testimony that I'll tell you it's amazing we'll come in here at 11 o'clock and this place will be about full and I'm looking over the crowd and I can tell you there's stories many of them this and here amen was in this and this one was in that and this one over here this was doing that or this one was just lived their life and never came to Christ but then suddenly God got a hold of them and Paul said what a testimony it is to hear that you turn to the living God and verse number 10 he said and wait for his son from heaven who he raised from the dead even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come I'm excited I'm not going through the tribulation are you hearing me I got up one morning and said I want to write a letter to hell and tell him I ain't coming praise God I'm canceling my appointment Woo! I came to the cross I met Jesus Christ I got born again hallelujah but can I tell you ever since then I've seen a world I see a harvest. I'm praying God raise up laborers. Is this all right? I believe it's time that we start sounding the trumpet to get people in the house of God. Get them, get them saved. Amen. You see, Joel is this prophet of Pentecost, and while we see he's, you know, we know that he prophesied it'll come to pass. Says God in the last days, pour out my spirit. All flesh and your sons and daughters prophesy on my servants, my handmaidens. And then he says, and it'll come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. I want to tell you, there's still a message of deliverance in the church. Can you say amen? There's still a message. You can get free in the house of God. There's still a message, amen, that you can come out of bondage, come out of what the enemy has done. I, I had a little something I wanted to just share with you. He says in verse number 12 and the, uh, of this text, he says, therefore, as he saith, the Lord says, even now uh, to me with, uh, come to me with all your heart with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And then he says, rend your hearts and not your garments and turn to the Lord, watch this, because God is gracious and merciful. I want that to be the nature of this church. I want us to be gracious and merciful. Amen. I was talking to a young person yesterday, and I said, "What I want you to understand is, I was cutting up with Dylan the other night when they had us up here doing that illustration. There, I stood with a the suit. And there I stood Dylan with a pair of jeans and 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 a button up shirt. And then there was somebody else there dressed a different way. And he was making illustrations. The illustration. There's all kinds of people in the church doing the same thing. And and I kind of leaned over to Dylan. You know, of course, I always got got a needle him a little bit. And I said, "Son, you have to work to look like this." Do you understand? And he looked at me and said, I know. I said, but the good news is you ain't saved by works. <laughs> I said, I looked at him, I said, God's giving you grace. You know. all <laughs> get that later. And I told a young person yesterday, I said, I want you to understand that God's grace means he does not give us what we deserve. Grace means he gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us mercy. He gives us forgiveness, can you say? That's the heart of the gospel. And so he says, I want you to rend your hearts and, and uh, uh, experience God's kindness. Prayer at times, sometimes God desires that we turn to him with all our hearts And by rending and tearing our heart, spreading ourselves apart from everything that is is displeasing to him. A radical pursuit of obedience to him. Tearing our heart is intensely personal. When we do, the Lord will help us. Joel begins to summons the people. Can you say amen? He he begins to talk to them about where they are. He says I want you to know you've got to prepare yourself. There's coming a day when God's going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh And, and he's saying what I want to say to the church today. He's saying you can't just presume upon the grace of God. You can't just assume that everything's going to be there when you need it. They had found themselves Themselves in a place of apostasy. They had found them place where they had become apathetic and lethargical. I told you they were walking by the rob in favor and in blessing and, and in everything going well and then suddenly all of it, all of a sudden there's their face with the fact that they're away from God and the enemy's about to come in. There's a swarm of the enemy that's devouring everything. There's nothing left. I, I preached the other morning about coming out of the wine. They talk, uh, talking about Gideon. And there was Israel again, backslid. And the Midianites and all the other nations of that country had come in. And they would sow a, a field and, and, and they would raise up a crop. And then before they could harvest it, the hordes of the enemy would come in and strip the land. Their, their sheep would bear lambs. And before they could slaughter and eat, the enemy would come in and slaughter. Match up everything they had. Are you hearing me? And so here's Israel who at one time had everything they're hiding and, and even getting himself down in a wine press of all places threshing wheat. And I told him I said what he was doing. He had a little wheat that he had gathered and he was down in the wine press hiding and he was threshing, you know, beating out the chaff trying to get the kernel out. Got to get just enough to take home to feed my family. I, I can't watch I can't see the country. I can can't see the world. I'm trying to survive myself. I want to tell you there's a lot of people sitting in blood bought, born again, sanctified spirit filled churches, fire baptized. They're doing the same thing. They're hiding from the attacks. They're trying to just gather enough amen to take care of them. But God did something. He sent a prophet. Then he sent an angel and he said, come out of that wine press, you mighty man of valor. You know what God was saying? You've got to get up from where there you are because there's about to be a deliverance hallelujah Oh, hallelujah stay with me I'm not going to preach much longer I promise I'll be done before the 11 o'clock service is over And uh, so all of a sudden Joel says I want you to know that, that God is gracious he's merciful he's trying to pull you out of your mess. I'm gonna tell you something. I I, I could just walk down down every pew and look everybody in the face this morning, get right close to getting nose to nose and say, what kind of mess are you dealing with? I mean, everything's going good. <laughs> Brother Joe Johnson back there, and he, he was up here at the church doing some stuff yesterday evening and last evening and he come to the house. I heard somebody knocking on the door and I had just kind of kicked back in my recliner just to relax for a moment. And I, had, I was dirty and scruffy looking and uh, I'd been in the junkyard I'd been do, I, had a, I had a water line bust in the wall, amen, in, in the bathroom in my shower. And just before he got there, I took a drywall saw and cut the drywall, cut, the, cut a big hole in the bedroom wall so I could get to the plumbing. And my wife, she said, What are you doing? I said, I'm in here cutting a hole. Oil. She said, Oh God, not now. It's the weekend. But we got a leak. Or can you say, Amen. And Joe knocked on the door and said, Pastor, is there anything you need? (laughs) I didn't want to do that to him. (laughs) I got to work him till midnight. (laughs) I said, no, I'm good. I got to a stopping place. You and I need to understand that sometimes we're in a mess. We're in a problem with our family. We're in a problem with our relationships. Our marriage is on the rocks. Can you say amen? And God says there's a time, Paul said it like this, that you need to withdraw yourself even from your husband or wife and and set yourself apart for a time of fasting to get close to God. And that's why he said come out of the bride chamber. Come out of the closet. Forget the honeymoon. Forget the stuff that you put priority on. I don't know how popular I'd be if I married a couple today and said, oh, by the way, you all can't go on your honeymoon. We're entering into 21 days of prayer and fasting. We snicker at that, but that's exactly what God was saying. He was saying hell is about to mount an attack against this nation, and you need me more than you need another happy meal, can you say amen? Amen. Amen. There was a time when they came back to Jesus, and Jesus said, "You're not here because of the miracles. You're here because of the fishes and loaves." You see, we we have a tendency, you know, hordes of people followed Jesus while he was doing miracles and feeding. But when he started saying, "You got to eat my body and drink my blood," they left him in droves. Can you say, "Amen," "Amen"? I'm going somewhere with this. So when I started thinking about this, how God showed this, first of all there was five things he wanted them to see first the Lord is gracious and that he evaluates us different from anyone else does, how anyone else does The world may look at you and think you're just some half baked nut with one one, one oar in the water and a few bricks shy of a load because you're shouting and praying and seeking God and and walking around trying to get a hold of a better move of God. But God looks at us just a little bit differently, can you say, Amen? And He knows what we're made of. Psalm 103, verse 14 said, He knows our frame, He knows how you're made, He knows we're just dust. You know what that means? I can't walk without Jesus. I can't talk without Jesus. I can't survive without Jesus. I'd like to tell you in the back row, and you back there in the overflow, and these on the front row. I'd like to tell everybody: this Jesus is all that we need. You need God more than you need all the other things that you're busy yourself with. God looks at us because He knows we need Him. Secondly, the Lord delights in mercy. He enjoys picking us up when we fall. Huh? I mean, somebody, I I said this one time years ago. I was in a group uh, meeting with a bunch of preachers, and one had fallen, and some wanted to crucify him, others wanted to burn him at the stake. I mean, they didn't say that, but that's what it sounded like. And I said, Brothers, we're in the army of God. I was in the army during the Vietnam War. And I'm gonna tell you something. If we're an army, the church, we're the only army I've ever seen that shoots its own wounded. God takes pleasure in picking us up and putting us back where we need to be. And if you're not, I I, I wasn't gonna say this, but I feel it in my spirit. If we're not careful, people, when they see us, fallen people, they see us as just another reason to keep going deeper. Rather than coming out. Because we're not blowing the trumpet, sounding the alarm. Revival says not just to the church, but to the community, God's in the house, and there's mercy to be had. It's just all right. Amen. He he delights in mercy. Micah seven eighteen said, Who is A God like unto thee that pardons iniquity that passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retains not his anger forever, but he delights in mercy. How many's glad God showed you mercy before you got saved? Hey, how many's glad God showed you mercy after you got saved? Uh, Is anybody here that's never sinned since you got saved? I didn't think so. If you raised your hand, I was gonna call you out and tell you just lying. You sit in right there. Third, the Lord is slow to anger. He's not quick to judge, but gives us time to repent. In Revelation 2 and 20, he's talking to that church that's fallen. He said, uh, I've got a few things against you because you suffer that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess. Now, let me, let me just kind of cut to the chase. You allow that manipulating spirit to work in the midst of you, that controlling witchcraft spirit. And the... Uh, To teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed to idols—all of that is, is uh, uh, you know, is symbolic of some of the stuff that's going on. But God, He even said about Jezebel, He said, "Next verse, I gave her a space to repent. I gave her a moment, and she wouldn't do it." Can I tell you? I've watched people over the years in forty-two years of ministry. I've watched people who operated in a bad spirit. I've seen the word preached to them. I've seen God deal with them. I've seen them under conviction and they'd shake it off. He gave them a space to repent, but they wouldn't do it. Amen. This God wants you to make it. How many knows he's not willing that any should perish? Amen. But that all should come to repentance. And so God, just a couple more things. I'm gonna close here. Then... uh, So God gives us this time to repent and uh, is slow to anger and he is fourthly, the Lord has great kindness. Our repentance will never meet, will never be met with rejection. Listen, if you repent, he's just to forgive. Isn't that great? John said, I write to you in 1 John chapter two that you sin not, but if you do, he's talking to the church. If you do, we we, we try to hide sin. We try to sweep it under the rug. I'm the president of a ministerial association, Brother Robert, and, and I've had to deal with preachers who've fallen, got caught. And then when you try to, Restore those If you see a brother Taken in a fault Those of you that are spiritual Restore them In the spirit of meekness Considering yourself Lest you fall In the same condemnation And I'd go to them And and, you know Privately Like the scripture says And try to say Look there's a way Out of what you're in You can repent God will forgive you We'll get you restored And you know They said well now You don't understand It's not my fault You know so and so Did this And somebody else Did that One guy was fooling About three women One time And I was trying To talk to him He's, He's living in sin He's a preacher And he's fooling with Three different women and I'm saying, man, you can't do this. He said, here was his answer I can't help it if those women won't leave me alone. I said, you're all that in a bag of chips, ain't you, son? You see, repentance is the only way out of sin. Except you repent, I don't know why I preach like this, you will perish. You can't blame anybody else. I, I, I thought what Brother Hoskins said here uh, a Friday night. He said you can't go around and keep talking about what happened to you when you was a child. This one molested you. This one verbally abused you. That happened. There comes a time that a child of God goes to the cross. And Paul said in Second Corinthians five seventeen, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Hallelujah. So God says, I want you to know, there's a way out. Of what you're in, and there's a way that you can find help. And finally, the last thing I want to say is this the Lord relents from doing harm. In other words, He will cancel the degree of judgment. When Daniel was in Babylon and they made the decree if you pray to any God, other than that king, if you worship anybody, you'll be thrown in the den of lions. Daniel six and ten said when Daniel knew that the decree was signed, he went to his house, opened up his window in his bedroom toward Jerusalem, knelt down on his knees, amen, three times a day, and prayed just like he always had and give God praise. And Daniel, amen, went to the lion's den. And the old king loved him and, and he knew he'd been duped, can you say, man? And he, he, he paced the floor, he couldn't sleep and the next morning he walks out to the mouth of the den and says, oh, Daniel, servant of the most high God, is that God you serve continually able to deliver you? He's listening. The lions can't make a sound because they got locked, jaw somebody help me. And Daniel says, O oh, king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. That's what Joel is saying. He's saying, The way out of our mess is prayer, fasting. Rend your hearts, not just you know to join. It means rend your hearts, tear out the thing that's separating you from God. You think you're going to live forever? You think you might be alive in the morning? The Bible said you shouldn't even say tomorrow I'm going to do this. You are to say if the Lord's willing tomorrow. Because you might die today. The reality is that the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that to judgment and no man in another place says, promised tomorrow. Here's truth. You're going to die. And maybe today. So it's time to get right with God blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm, let people know there's grace, mercy, forgiveness, restoration, healing, revival. There's a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's a new anointing for you to walk in. I'm going to close. I thought like this, uh, uh, many of us knew who B.H. Clendenin was. He pastored a great church in Beaumont, Texas. He had great ministers conferences out there every year thousands would attend. He did that for many, many years, built a great church and Clinton was a World War II veteran. He he, he was on uh, I believe it was on Guam where he was at and I had an uncle that was there at the same time and his whole unit, all of his commanders, about everybody got wiped out Him and a handful more of those Marines that had stormed those beaches were left and uh, he was in charge. I think he was just like a buck sergeant at the time. The lieutenant had been killed, the captain had been killed, all those above him and it was time to, to finally to go back home and they got on a ship and they started they started across you know and uh, he said uh, when they got near he said boys he said our uniforms are threadbare they're worn they' they're, they're ragged they they've been through the war but he said press them up to the best you can so tomorrow we're going to step on the shores of home amen and he said when they got there said there was a band plan he said I wasn't expecting it he said I said men stand tall we're Marines and they started down the gang Plank. And that big band struck up and started playing from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. And old Clinton and said, I felt myself get just a little bit taller. He said, we come marching down that gangplank like we had our dress blues on, wearing those ragtag uniforms, battle-worn, weary. He said some of those men were just barely able to stand up. And then while he was preaching, he said, we did that because we were soldiers. And he said, what happened was reinforcements came. Our relief came. Can you say amen? I'm here to tell you, hold on. Reinforcements are coming. There's a way for you to get out of the war and the mess you're in if you'll just wait upon God. Amen. Stand with me, would you? Blow the trumpet. Sound the alarm. The time has come. Jesus is coming. Are you hearing me? I mean, we've been in the pandemic. And when this thing hit, I was listening to a preacher on TV here just a while back, and he was just, you know, they were they were at a conference and he was, they were just interviewing him before the main service. And he, I get he was a powerful man. I didn't really know him. They talked about what he done Sounded really good. And they asked him, they said, What do you, what, what did you see in the pandemic? Everybody was talking about all the other things they saw. i never forget that he was an older man and, and you could tell he, he thought about it for a moment. And then he said this. He said, I saw in 15 days that 14 men could take over the world. I thought, excuse me? I sat up on the edge of the couch. I said, what did he just say? The one interviewed him said, say that again. He said, I saw in 15 days that 14 men could take over the world. And he said, I realized that seven of them weren't even world leaders, the Fauci's and some of the others. He said, governments came under their control. Their word was law around most of the world. And I thought, wow. And he said, but here's what I really saw. He said, I saw Jesus is coming the rapture is going to happen and then he said this he said I saw and he clapped his hands together just how quickly the antichrist can take over the world you hear this preacher there's not always going to be blessed coming in and going out you're not always going to be blessed in your cupboards and blessed in your room can you say amen you're not always going to be blessed in your fields and blessed in your crops because there's a rapture that's going to play, take place and if you're left here, you hear this preacher, it's going to be hell on earth. And there's going to be a man called the son of perdition, the son of destruction that's going to take over the world. Paul said in the last days they'd rise scoffers and say, when's that going to happen? I've heard it all my life. Have, have y'all ever heard anybody tell you that? me an old gray haired preacher I've had hundreds of them look at me and say preacher I've heard that all my life and usually my response is well stupid don't you think or dummy or somebody don't you think it's time that you believe it he's coming we've seen what the enemy can do give it the resources and I believe when the church is raptured don't matter what that party is in the White House they'll give in to that antichrist in a moment's time don't matter who's running that Kremlin, they'll give in to the Antichrist. Doesn't matter who's in charge over there in China, they'll give in to the Antichrist. And they're going to come together for one purpose <laughs> and that's try to wipe out that little nation, Israel. But I hear God saying to them, blow the trumpet. A nation's born in a day, 1948, to a regathering. It's happening now. It's, it's not finished, but it's happening what about you? Do you hear the trumpet sounding? Do you hear the long blast of of warning? Do you see the locusts that are devouring our nation? Do you see the, the symbols of what's going to happen in the near future that's going to be devastating? The answer is, are you ready? Preach the word. I tell these young preachers, preach the be instant in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort with long suffer make full proof of your ministry do the work of the evangelist Paul said that to Timothy a young pastor trainee do the work of the evangelist save some making a difference some of you all we've petted you we've stroked you we've rubbed you we've done everything trying to woo you and to coerce you to romance you to come to Jesus But he said, Others, you need to save them like snatching them out of the fire because they're about to go to hell. He'd grab them by the nape of the neck and drag them to the altar if that's what it takes. I'm talking symbolically here. It's time to get right with God. The trumpet's about to sound. Blow the trumpet. Blow the shofar. Call the gathering. You know, he said for them to weep and howl between the porch and the altar. Now, this wasn't the altar. In the holy place. You know, there's, there's the outer court, then the holy place. And in the holy place, there's the lampstand, the table of shoe bread, and the altar of incense of worship. But this was the altar at the gate where you had to do sacrifice to get in. And he told those priests, he said, I want you to get out there in that in that area where everybody around can see it. And I want you to weep and have. And I want you to rend your garments and I want you to let them know that the sacrifice is being made to deal with sin. And we're, If we're not careful as a church, we're trying to get people in the Holy of Holies when we need to get them to the altar of sacrifice to the cross and let them see what they need is in Jesus. He's the way in, amen. Father, thank you Thank you this morning for reminding us how imperative it is that we make known what you're doing. Reach out and touch the lost, backslidden, the apathetic, the lethargic, those who are just enjoying the fatness of the land and not realizing there's a world. The ship is sinking. I can't imagine Horatio Spafford's heart, when that telegram came, I alone am saved, what must I do? That wife saying the kids are gone and I don't know what to do with myself. God, we need today to be ready. We need to get people in. Today where your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I'm gonna tell you something, God ain't playing games. God. And I told you the five things He's doing today to show us mercy and give us a chance and forgive sin and and, and draw us close to Him and even allow stuff to fall apart in front of us so we'll look back to Him. The Bible said in Romans that it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. It's the goodness of God. He, He let them enjoy that time of blessing, great favor, but then all of a sudden the world fell apart. What are you going to do when the world falls apart? When you get that call that it's your child or your husband or that doctor looks at you and says, it's cancer. What are you going to do? It's time now to hear the sound and come to Jesus. And
0: set our heart. hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.arhop.life. Thanks for listening.